DiscerningHearts.com presents Yearning for Healing, Now is the Time, with Monsignor John Essif and Sister Cora Maculatum Heffernan. Monsignor John Essif is a Roman Catholic priest in the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He has lived in areas around the world serving the Pontifical Missions, a Catholic organization established by St. Pope John Paul II to bring the good news to the world, especially to the poor. He is a founding member of the Pope Leo XIII Institute, which trains priests in the areas of exorcism, deliverance, and healing. He has served as a retreat director and confessor to St. Teresa of Calcutta. He continues to offer direction and retreats for the Sisters of the Missionaries of Charity. Often, he leads those retreats with Sister Cora Immaculatum Heffernan, who is a member of the Sisters Servants of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. She holds several degrees, from Marywood, Notre Dame, and Syracuse universities. She's an accomplished musician and artist, as well as a counselor and spiritual director. We now offer you this special presentation of Yearning for Healing, Now is the Time, with Monsignor John Essif and Sister Cora Maculatum. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and therefore, this is what the Lord said to his apostles just before he ascended. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and baptize all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as they go forth, they go forth after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And after his ascension, he then sends the Holy Spirit upon our Blessed Mother and the Apostles as they gathered in that upper room. The power of the Most High had come down to earth. And God is now into his people. He has become one with the apostles, each apostle becomes Christ. Each baptized person of those first 3,000 are radiating with Christ. They are filled with the power of God. This is the beginning of the church on earth. As we look back through all the centuries, God has been with us, in us, through us and with us. He is in us, through us and with us. He becomes us. So of the seven billion people in the world today, the Holy Spirit has come down upon each of us. And that same Holy Spirit has come down on each of those who are Protestant, Catholic, and Orthodox through baptism. They actually are in him and through him and with him. They are in Christ. There's a power here and it's going to be used by this whole body which is here on earth. There is the body in heaven as we talked about yesterday and there is this body on earth. Now, Sister is going to tell you today about the one who has connected us 
with the body in heaven, for she dwells there, but not only in heaven, but she has brought her messages to earth with a tremendous power and grace in our time. And so, sister, could you tell us about Our Lady's apparitions? Our Lady is so powerful, and she has been through all the centuries. Uh, she has, she's just been known all over the world. She has appeared, she has prayed, she has warned, she has taught, she has blessed. And so, if we were to look at some calendars that have been printed, we will note that every single day of the year, there is some place in the world where Mary, the mother of Jesus and the mother of God, uh, has uh, been either appeared or been praised and loved and prayed to. And so it's so beautiful that she has such tremendous power. Uh, I'd like to go to the time that she appeared to Juan Diego uh, way back in the uh, 1500s. And uh, she spoke to Juan Diego, this poor, poor uh, Indian, and she gave him a wonderful promise. And when he was worried and concerned about sickness, uh, the sickness of his, uh, his uncle and all the problems that were going on in uh, South America at that particular time, she said to him, listen and put it into your heart, my youngest and dearest son. Do not let your countenance, your heart be disturbed. Do not fear this sickness or any other sickness nor anything that is sharp or hurtful. Am I not here who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not the source of your joy? Are you not in the hollow of my mantle, in the crossing of my arms? Do you need anything more? What a beautiful, beautiful question Mary uh, put uh, to Juan Diego, but also what tremendous compassionate love is in her heart. And it made me think very specially of what the, the entire world is going through at this time. The isolation, and, and the, the uncertainty uh, that we've been through with this pandemic. We've come face to face with different fears, the fear about sickness, the fear about illness, the fear about unrest. And what, what do you think, or where do you think Mary is? Uh, in, the, in these particular times, she's here with us. We have been awakened to the pain and the suffering all over the world. There is no country, no place on earth that has not been touched by war, by uncertainty, by injustice, 
by harm and pain and grief. Every single person in the world has been wounded in some way or another. And during this particular time, we want to really seek um, all the gifts that God has given us and all the helps he's given us in order to heal. But it takes courage uh, to uh, look deeply into myself and into each one of our hearts to be able to face where it is that we are wounded or we have been wounded in the past as children, as teenagers, as young adult, adults, as uh, people in the maturity of life and as the elderly. Every one of us has had a wound. And once we recognize what that woundedness is, and once it has been healed, then we can be wounded healers in the service of our brothers and sisters. And so Our Lady has really done such a wonderful thing. Those words to Juan Diego speak today to where we are right at this moment. Thank you for reminding us, dear sister, about the love that Mary has for each of us. As we face these times, every single one of us have difficulties, sufferings, and pain. That Jesus has not left us on our own. And so he wants to reach out to us as he did when he was on earth. When Jesus met the man who was the demoniac in Mark's gospel. He saw this man came running toward him. Jesus has a heart filled with compassion. His love for the suffering and the pained. And this man was rushing toward Jesus. And he actually, the man himself, the demoniac, sought out Jesus. He went right to him. And he went, what? And you hear the story here that sister is going to read to us. Because what did he do after he was converted? Let's listen to first the story of how Jesus brought healing to this man who was suffering so terribly. In chapter 5 of Mark's Gospel, verses uh, 1 to 20, the story of the healing of the Gerasene demoniac took place. Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the territory of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, at once a man from the tombs, who had an unclean spirit, met him. The man had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any longer, even with a chain. In fact, he had frequently been bound with shackles and chains, but the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles smashed and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the hillsides, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. Catching sight of Jesus from the distance, he ran up and prostrated himself before him, crying out in a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. 
Jesus had been saying to him, unclean spirit, come out of the man. He asked him, what is your name? He replied, legion is my name. There are many of us. And he pleaded earnestly with him not to drive them away from that territory. Now a large herd of swine was feeding in the, in the hillside and they pleaded with him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. And Jesus let them. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. The herd of about 2000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea where they were drowned. The swine herds ran away and reported the incident in the town and throughout the countryside. And the people came out to see what had happened. As they approached Jesus, they caught sight of the man who had been possessed by legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were seized with fear. They began to beg Jesus to leave their district. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed pleaded to remain with him, but Jesus would not permit him, but told him instead, go home to your family and announce to them all that the Lord in his pity has done for you. Then the man went off and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what Jesus had done for him and all were amazed. This demoniac now becomes the herald of Jesus in the world. He's proclaiming the power and the love that Christ has. Think of that tremendous power that's in, for instance, the exorcist today. When he faces a legion and comes up against this power. Jesus is in the world today. Jesus has power to drive out demons. And he has given this power to us men. God has power. But look and see what happened to the demoniac, who was cleansed of the evil spirits. And then he wanted to come and be a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, no, go back to your family. You come from a people and you come from a place. And what did he do? He went back and proclaimed to all the world. That man for the rest of his life had an encounter with Jesus. When did you encounter Christ? What is that power that comes from him and through him that makes you so powerful in him and through him and with him? You see, there is a light in every one of us. And so when Paul, for instance, he was a persecutor of the church. Sister is going to read to you tonight, and right now, it's the, it's the account of Paul, who is, is persecuting the church. He had, he had killed Stephen. He was persecuting, and he hadn't killed him personally, but... He was, he was in favor of his death, and he was persecuting the church. And so Jesus then came to him. And here's the story of Paul and his conversion. Now Saul, this is chapter 9, Acts of the Apostles. 
verses 1 to 22. Now Saul, still breathing murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, that if he should find any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them back to Jerusalem in chains. On his journey, as he was nearing Damascus, a light from the sky suddenly flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, sir? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, for they heard the voice but could see no one. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days, he was unable to see, and he neither ate nor drank. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is there praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, that he may regain his sight. But Ananias replied, Lord, I have heard many uh, stories about him, what evil things he has done to your holy ones in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to imprison all who call upon your name. The Lord said to him, go, for this man is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and Israelites, and I will show him what he will have to suffer for my name. So Ananias went and entered the house, laying his hands on him, he said, Saul, my brother, the Lord has sent me, Jesus, who appeared to you on the way by the, which you came, that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, things like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. He got up and was baptized, and when he had eaten, he recovered his strength. He stayed some days with his disciples in Damascus, and he began at once to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, Is not this the man who in Jerusalem ravaged those who call upon this name and came here expressly to take them back in chains to the chief priests? But Saul grew all the stronger and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that this is the Messiah. Once you encounter Jesus Christ, I still remember the day my grandfather read that account to me. And he said it to me in Aramaic, Sheul, Sheul, Lamatatahadmi. And he would cry as he read those words. You see, my grandfather had encountered Paul. And Paul, who was so on fire with divine love, 
and Paul had encountered Jesus. And the flame of that love burned deeply into Paul's soul. When did you meet Jesus? You see, the encounter is such an awakening. You see, Paul didn't realize when he said to those who were Christian, who are you? He said to Jesus, you, you were him? You were Stephen? You were those people that I drug out of their houses? Lord, Lord, forgive me. You see, Paul was no longer the persecutor, but he went out and then began to proclaim Jesus Christ. Have you truly met in your heart? And he has he taken over as he did Paul? Paul said, I live, no, no longer I, but Christ lives in me. When we are baptized, we become one with the Lord Jesus. I live, no, no longer I. It's not Paul that lives. And Paul remains the sinner. In, in chapter 7, I sin all the time. He remains in the sin. All praise to Jesus Christ, whom I have become. That's the one you're meeting. That's the one that's on fire with divine love. And that's you. And that's me when we become alive in Christ. Once you have encountered Jesus Christ, you become a flame with the fire of that divine love. As we go on, who are the saints? A little child in thinking of the saints that he met are not only Mary, Mary radiates Christ, but as he thought of the saints and he thought of the stained glass windows, it's those who let the light shine through them. We radiate Christ through us. You see, who is on display in each of us who are baptized? It's Christ himself. We radiate and shine forth with the divine power of grace in our lives. And we all need to be touched and healed and blessed. And we have in our midst also the sacrament of healing. God has provided for us and we can go every time we need a healing. And, and especially during this time, so many are in hospitals. So many have cancer. So many have diabetes. So many have heart trouble. We have diseases and sicknesses and illnesses that we have a power of prayer. God has given us prayer as our health, and we can actually pray. One of the great powers that we have as a prayer is Mary. And that prayer that Sister just offered us, I think if we could learn that prayer and remember to pray. There are many, many prayers for healing 
uh, many, many prayers uh, that encourage us to look to saints and others in our midst and to pray. And Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patron of the Americas. And Mary, uh, in her Immaculate Heart of Mary, is, is the patroness of North America. And so any prayer to Our Lady, the Hail Holy Queen, the Hail Mary, whatever prayers uh, that touch your heart, but you can also pray uh, just right from your own heart to God uh, and to ask for healing. I'll read again Our Lady's words to Juan Diego. Listen and put it into your heart, my youngest and dearest son. Do not let your countenance, your heart be disturbed. Do not fear this sickness or any other sickness nor anything that is sharp or hurtful. Am I not here, who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not the source of your joy? Are you not in the hollow of my mantle, in the crossing of my arms? Do you need anything more? And at this time in the world today, we need so much more. And God has given us uh, through baptism and through the, the tremendous love he has for us. He's given us the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Uh, but he's also given us sacramentals, the blessings, the blessings that were taught or uh, spoken with you uh, yesterday uh, in all the blessings of the Old Testament that were passed down to us. The importance of parents blessing their children, uh, uh, the blessing that takes place at the baptism, but also at night before your children go to bed, bless them. Uh, I remember growing up having the holy water fount, and it was at the front door and the back door. And any time we left, we blessed ourselves, but our parents also blessed us. And when we were having tests or exams, uh, we knew that our mother would be praying the the uh, litany to the the nine day uh, uh, nine hour litany to the infant of Prague, because we knew behind us and whatever we were going through, we had the prayers of and the blessings of our parents. He's also given us another sacramental besides blessings, and that is the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Whenever there is trouble, whenever you are in trouble, make the sign of the cross. A call on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the unity of the Trinity, to help you unify and love. Uh, there's another one, and it's holy water. Blessed holy water is so powerful. And so whenever you are fearful or in temptation, don't be afraid to take the holy water and bless yourselves with it. Sprinkle the holy water around the, the door, around your room. It has great power. Uh, 
And of course, there are always the prayers and the devotions. Mary has always asked us to pray. Every time that she has appeared, she has said, pray and pray for forgiveness, pray for healing, uh, pray the rosary, uh, just intercede I'm, and I will bring your prayers to God. Um, pray for, for being able to forgive those who have hurt you. And so uh, use those prayers, they're very, very beautiful. And if your parishes or if your areas have novenas uh, that are so frequently uh, all around the world, so frequently addressed to Mary or the saints or the Sacred Heart or the Trinity, uh, uh, pray those, those novenas. Whatever touches your heart and that brings you in union with the Divine Healer, uh, use that as petitions and don't be afraid. And in addition, we have the, the very powerful protection of the angels. Every one of us, every person in the entire world, Christian, non-Christian, the one in the deepest uh, areas of, of uh, primitive life, every single person in the world has within himself and herself the Holy Spirit. And so uh, that Holy Spirit uh, wants to reach, uh, uh, have these people reached, uh, and, and so that they can be blessed and, and, and be with, with uh, him in heaven. But every single soul that has been born, every child born, has been given a, an angel to guard him or her throughout their entire lives. And so uh, that guardian angel is there to protect and to care for and warn. And, uh, and they're very, very powerful. I was the uh, chaplain of the Newman Club. And I remember hearing Sister, and I was just listening to her now, and the power, especially that's in every layperson. In a sense, yes, she's a religious, and she's a nun, but she's a layperson. She's, she belongs like to the laity. And when I hear the devotions that she brings forth, I see in each of you, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a child, whether you're old, whoever you may be, not a clergy only, but I, that's what I see. And I wanted Sister to work with me to reach college students and young people. And I remember her telling me a story when she was 12 years old about, would you mind sharing that story, Sister, as you were growing up? Because I think there are many children who need to hear that story that are listening to us today. I remember when I was in the eighth grade, uh, we had a sister teaching us and she had such devotion to the guardian angels. Uh, and she impressed on every one of us that we had a special angel who really looked after us. And, and just to pray 
to our guardian angel. So, uh, and she also told us that our guardian angels had the names. So uh, not to be afraid to ask our guardian angel what his or her name was. And mine is David. <laughs> so uh, I remember that from the time that I was in eighth grade. And after eighth grade, we moved to a new place. And we hadn't been there more than uh, maybe two or three weeks. And there was a beach club that we used to go to. And there was a man who uh, was a diving instructor. And he was so kind to the children. And I remembered him. But uh, I, in eighth grade, uh, I knew even before that I wanted to be a sister. So I found the nearest church to where we had moved, which was about 15 blocks away from our home. And I insisted with my mother and father that I wanted to go to daily mass. So they said, all right. And so I walked the, uh, the 15 blocks and I went to mass. And as I came out and was leaving the church and starting on my way home, a car pulled up and I looked at, at the person and opened the door for me to get in. And I looked at the person and thought that it was the uh, man who was the, the, uh, the swimming person at the beach. And I almost started to get in. And this person dragged me and I fought against him. And uh, I slammed the door and began to run. And I remember at the time I kept saying, David, David, help me, David, help me. And I began to run and he tried to cut me off with the car. And I tried to go behind the car and he backed up, but I continued and finally got home. And I was really shaking. And I told my older sister about it. And she said, you have to tell mother and dad. And I didn't want to, I said, they won't let me go to mass. And, uh, she said, you have to tell them. So my mother and dad said, um, well, uh, you, you can go to mass if my older sister went with me. And of course, she would at that point uh, like to stay in bed and sleep. So, uh, but uh, I, she promised that she would go with me. But I remember that so clearly because the very first person I called on for help was my guardian angel. And I was able to get away. And I think sometimes when children are in danger or anyone is in danger, uh, to, to know that you have the protection of your guardian angel is so important. I do not get in the car when I'm driving without asking my guardian angel to let me not hurt anyone, let no one be hurt by me, and also to let nothing happen to the car. <laughs> Much for that. But I really do believe that there, are, there is angelic power. I think many times we talk about, and we frequently will bring up the devil as an evil spirit and an enemy. Our enemies are the devil. That's who the enemy is. The enemy is sin. And the enemy is a worldly spirit, the spirit of the world. They're the enemies. We don't have enemies. We were all called by God to be his children. And we have in our power and our grace to live 
as children of God with a power that's in each of us, the sacrament of baptism, the sacrament of confirmation, the sacrament of the Eucharist that explodes inside of us, we can live in union with Jesus as sister and that 12-year-old girl. She was going to be fed by God as his daughter. And she had with her, and every princess should have a, a, a guardian and a protector and someone to wait on them. So you have a, a, a butler, and this is a private person that's going to take care of you and watch over you. And so this is what Jesus has given to each of us. The Father has given a guardian angel to the seven billion people who are in the world. And we are all accompanied by them and assisted by them. And they, we should call on them and remember the angelic world. In our enemies, sister, can you tell us once more, you know, I, I remember concluding the book that I wrote that if you have that quotation, I would like to hear that again. In his book, Building a Kingdom of Love, uh, Monsignor ended with this, a war is raging, heaven and hell are on a collision course. Because many of Jesus' soldiers are wounded, we need healing. After healing comes the conquest of love. Muslims are not the enemy. Sinners are not the enemy. The enemy is Satan. At first, we will be a ragtag army. Vicious enemies will come against us, but we will never abandon the struggle to place the light of Jesus' love in the lampstand of the world. Our weakness will not matter. We are earthen vessels, but we're held by Jesus. Let us work to establish Jesus' universal kingdom of love. If we really believe that the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary will cover the whole world. The love of the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart will take in and cover and embrace the whole world. It will take place. I love a quotation of Teilhard Chardin's also. Uh, and it's really beautiful. Uh, he says, someday, uh, in, it, it's, it's, uh, in the whole world, someday, after mastering the winds, the waves, the tides, and energy, we will harness for God the energies of love. And then, for the second time in the history of the world, we will have discovered fire. And this is the fire that Father John is talking about. Uh, in our individual lives, when have we been touched with the love, the fire, the protection, the belief 
uh, in God's unique, unconditional love for me. Once we are touched by that, we too will be set on fire to really try in the every way possible to love every single wounded person in this world. Fall afresh on us, Spirit of the Living God. Fall afresh on us, melt us, mold us, fill us, use us, Spirit of the Living God. Fall afresh on us and may the blessing of almighty god the father the son and the holy spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever amen amen you've been listening to yearning for healing now is the time with monsignor john essif and sister cora immaculata to hear and or to download the podcast for this particular conference, visit discerninghearts.com. To watch this particular conference, you can also view it on discerninghearts.com as well as the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com. God bless.